Welcome to selfdiscoverywisdom.com, formerly known as Self Discovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My wonderful guest is Carla Vaughan. We're going to be talking today about um, being motivated about your money. And she says she motivates, educates, and facilitates financial well-being, not only in your business, but in our youth. And we're going to be talking about that. I'm absolutely delighted to say that she's also a co-author in our Forgotten uh, Children book series, which we will address a little bit through the show. But she says we're only limited by the things that we allow to limit us. The keys to success and productivity are already in our pocket. You just need to somehow show uh, you the look and encourage you to open up the door. She is an accountant, nonprofit leader, speaker and author and after publishing her book The Money Source beautiful graphic on there by the way uh, she decided to uh, go full-time to bring her message um, to conference around the world whether as a keynote speaker or a workshop leader and break through the boundaries that are eliminating your team uh, your attendees you the leader she spent over 20 years building her accounting business uh, business and finance management services and have managed nonprofit uh, financial literature first which is the nonprofit that she is going to be supporting uh, through the book series and has uh, received numerous rewards and accolades for speaking and business uh, acronym multi-degreed professional. Her passion is small businesses. She resonates both with the joys and the struggles. And it has been through this that she's wanted to share what she's learned with others. Her favorite audiences to speak to are the small business owners, networking groups, chambers of commerce, associated meetings, conferences, and majority of small business owners. Because quite honestly, it is the small business owners that really are the backbone of economics and business in general, isn't it, Carla? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here and so honored. And uh, just want to say, you know, what a wonderful job you're doing to get the message out. And I can I can definitely appreciate that because that lets me know you're a giver. <laughs> and I think one of the best things you can be when you're an entrepreneur is a giver. Mm-hmm. However, being a giver sometimes means that people take advantage of us, uh-huh. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do we stop that? <laughs> exactly. How do we stop that? And, you know, and one of the things that I do with my businesses, so I appreciate that you're mentioning that I'm an accountant by trade. So my key services are bookkeeping, taxes, and payroll. And I do that for predominantly the small business owner. And then I also teach the youth about money because guess what I see all the time is I get people come in and they know how to make their widgets, how to make their popcorn, how to make their breads, whatever. And they have no clue though about that back office, about the money part. And sometimes I'm seeing them a little bit too late, meaning they're already in tax court or they're already in a tangled mess or they're in a big rush 
because they realize they need some funds and they want to apply for a loan and their finances aren't in order. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things that any entrepreneur can do for themselves is to be honest and genuine with what they lack. Mm -hmm. And this is very, very hard, usually for startup businesses. Now, those that have been in business for four or five years, they kind of have gotten on that treadmill to realize, oh, okay, I can't do everything. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can do a lot of things, but it's, there are some things. It's a wobbly things... neck if you're wearing all the hats. <laughs> Take Absolutely. it from me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I really appreciate those entrepreneurs that are in the growth phase because those are the ones I help the most and most often. Mm. And then, you know, that's so important. As I say, I think small businesses are the backbone of any government, you know, every country. Um, and it's the least supported generally, you know, by government or by anything else. And it's, it's the, why are they doing it? They're doing it because they have a passion behind it. They have a conviction. It's their why. It's their passion. It's their purpose. And it's a great idea. And they really want to do it for the right reason. But it doesn't mean that they always wear the right money hat because we need money to get things going. And then we have ups and downs and it's how do you manage the lulls? Uh, where do you expand? And where do you withhold? How do you balance things? And at the same time, you're wearing the hat of, you know, marketing and public relations and everything else that you're doing. It's a lot of hats to wear. And if you can delegate some of those hats, it's really great to do. And I think any small business or solopreneur out there needs somebody that's going to lay that template, that foundation for them to follow so that they can build on that dream. We need their dream. We need that passion, the why of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's service to us, but let's mm -hmm. support them in doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you, you, you talk a lot about the why, mm -hmm. um, because this is something that I don't, I don't always think entrepreneurs really understand, but I always say you are going to work to be more successful if you're connected yeah. to your why. Yes. When we are disconnected from our why, oh, I'm doing this for family. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why are you really doing it? What got you to do what you're doing? Now, if you're doing something like home health care, yes, you may have done it because your why goes back to a family moment. Other than that, it's not to provide for your family as much as to get in touch with that moment in time that created a, a mind shift or a change in you that said, this isn't right. I need to make this right. And in order for me to make this right, I need to blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all have stories. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think um, one of the best things an entrepreneur can do is to get in touch with that story because that story contains the why. Yes. So, you know, it took me, um, I was applying for some social media, something or another, and they said they wanted a video about my why. And it really had, it made me think, why, why, why? <laughs> well, why? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, Lord, why did I take me... this part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it about the whole numbers thing that has driven me for so many years? Because the first half of my life, I worked for the government. Mm -hmm. Then I worked as a financial planner. And then I morphed into an accountant. And I was like, what really got me to, to get mm -hmm. in touch with that? Why? Literally was them saying, you can only do the social media thing if we've got a video. And I started thinking about the accounting business 
that I started years and years ago. And I said, I know my why. Mm -hmm. My why was because I hired a CPA because back then I was an analyst and being an analyst is not um, an accounting person. Um, And at that time, I was like, Every year, and I'll never forget the guy. He was a great guy. He had the big horn rim glasses and everything. His name was William. And he was sweet as sugar. And I'd say, why do I owe? And he just would look at me like, and I'm like, every year I owe. And it was like so frustrating. And I was like, help me understand why. And he could never help me understand. And then I realized that's my why. Uh My why is to run a client-focused business to run a financial literacy organization where I'm answering the why. Why numbers look the way they do? Why didn't someone get approved for a loan? Why didn't someone get qualified for a house? Why do they owe so much in taxes? Why do they get so much back in taxes, okay? So I found out my why was from my own frustration years and years ago when I had my first CPA and that my goal was to create clarity and understanding and education around the numbers. I love it. And make it easy to understand. I mean, God, I mean, I have two children either side of Christmas and I plan them. So, you know, I'm no good at math. Otherwise, I would have planned them better. Right. I am numbers are somewhere out there, not my forte whatsoever. And it literally is gobbledygook. When somebody's trying to talk numbers with me and it's why do I owe this or why that that doesn't compute. And, you know, it's, very often you're made to feel stupid because you're not getting it. No, I'm just not wired that way. I'm wired a different way. I receive information and clarity in a different format, not numbers, right? I don't see that picture. I understand the importance of it, but I just don't see the picture. You want somebody you can trust that helps you understand it in what I call layman terms, you know, in, in a way that doesn't make me feel an idiot, that empowers me to actually understand and be empowered over my own money rather than making you feel stupid or it just is. <clears throat> you know, we want we want a certain amount of control by understanding that why. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do for entrepreneurs. Mm. I don't just, it's, so one of the things I kept finding out was I started my journey was that the CPA or accountant would just give a report a profit and loss, balance sheet, cash flow statement, whatever it was to the entrepreneur and say, here, these are your numbers. And every single time they're looking at it and they're like, you know, and they're doing that because that's not their wheelhouse. No. You know, so way I morphed my practice was being client focused And so that means I break down those numbers in an essay form so you can understand them, number one. And then I I summarize what's really great about your numbers that's being reported and what's really bad about it, okay? And then from there, (laughs) excuse me, I'm opening up the dialogue and having the conversation and putting things in layman's terms and making sure we're clear. Um, one of the one of the things that really like surprised me, and this was a couple of years ago, you know, when they started with the PPP um, program with the government, the paycheck protection thing and programs, give everybody extra money during COVID and all this was great. 
and I'm sitting there at this affair, this networking affair, and someone turns to me and he says, you're an accountant? And I was like, yeah. He says, not only is it tax time, but PPP is going on. Why aren't you swamped? And I was like, probably because I've only had two clients that needed to reach out and they were foreigners. And so they didn't understand the process. I said, but every single month, my clients understand their numbers. And like I always say, you don't have to do them. That's what we do. Okay. But we want you to understand enough to say, oh, I get this because I had less expenses this month in this area or whatever it is. And that is so important because it brings down the stress. It brings down the headache for the entrepreneur. And it helps, like you said, not just build trust, but feel confident that, hey, I know what a PL is. I've got one, a recent one, because I get mine every month and I can shoot it over to this lender or, or put it as part of this documentation that's required. And if someone asks me a question, I can probably answer it, you know, and it's a wonderful feeling of empowerment and no one should be made feel stupid over numbers. But that's what unfortunately a lot of professionals do because they're talking up here and they don't understand you're not up there. You can't be talking no. general ledger and journal entries and the entrepreneur understand that. No. Not at all. The, the other empowerment is, is like, oh, less expenses going out here. That means I can actually make an investment over here without worry. I can put money into that growth there because I have less expenditure over here. It is, it's knowledge. It's wisdom. And how to grow your business because you know when and when not to. This is not a good month. I've got those expenditures going out. This is a good month to plan for that. And what else do I need to do around that? Because I know mm -hmm. I've got that extra money for that. So what, what you're doing is actually giving people the actual tools by understanding their money, where it's going, what it's doing, how it's working for them, of how to actually invest it or pull back this month or invest this month and allow their business to grow where where they may be absolutely excellent at what they do. But the numbers game is something, you know, uh, and especially it's not just adding and subtracting. It's like all the the loopholes or all the, you know, the other things. You know, that go on it's like oh, what? Yeah. what what are you talking about you know and it's like over your head completely uh -huh. and it's like okay you know what to do with that I trust you on that that's fine I just need to know x y and z going out x y and z is still available and I now know what to do with it because I know you understand the other dialogue it's like you take your car to a mechanic and you tell them, I've got Absolutely. this bang going on, right? You've got a bang going on. Well, where Absolutely. is the bang? If I knew exactly what was going on, I wouldn't need you. I'd fix it myself. Right? <laughs> Same with a doctor or a dentist. You drill your own teeth? No. They're trained for it. <laughs> so you want a trained accountant uh -huh. that's got your best interests at heart, that can speak to you in a way that you understand, and that you actually feel you are actually in control of your money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you bring that up, and... What this is another thing that I see going on is that reluctance to sometimes it's a control function that we have as entrepreneurs. I know, I know I had to recognize my own control function mm -hmm. when I was growing my business. And for me, my soft spot where I'm like, eh, is IT. I am not great at IT. Okay. I always want to be great at IT. Uh -huh. I have had a coach, 
I've taken a class. Mm -hmm. When my my uh, MBA, I had to when I graduated, I literally had to create YouTube. Was just getting started. I had to create a YouTube video and put it out there. Oh my God! I was like, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't matter now that I have all this wonderful knowledge of IT stuff and websites and SEO and meta tags and mm. all this stuff. One, the world keeps changing. Yes. So now we got to keep up with AI. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I realized that even though I knew how to do it, it took me twice as long. Mm -hmm. And this is where a lot of people get stuck in the beating on their chest. I'm going to yeah. do it myself. Well, yeah, you can do it yourself. But number one, you have to understand you're trading time for money. Yes. And you also have to look at, you know, like I, like I say in my book, and my book is called The Money Source. I say, you're literally robbing a mm. professional of their joy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because you're not letting them do what they do best. So if you're a cabinet maker and I know how to make cabinets, but I'm not a cabinet maker, I don't, I don't want to fool with that. I'm going to give it to the cabinet maker. Yeah. It's the same thing with numbers and finances and budgets and, you know, all those things that are surrounding numbers, give it to some professional that you know, like, and trust, which mm -hmm. is huge because that's how we operate. Yes. Let them work those numbers because that's what they enjoy. That's fulfilling them. Mm -hmm. So always look at it as giving them a gift. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking that you can do everything, okay? Because everything, most of the time, is not also including repairing your car, mm -hmm. drilling your own teeth, mm -hmm. doing your own <laughs> books, all like that. Okay. Yeah. And be okay with that. But understand though, your control function as an entrepreneur is actually a very positive thing. That's what makes you good at what you do. But you also have to allow yourself some downtime, some grace and say, you know what? I don't love doing this. Mm -hmm. Let me find someone I know, like, and trust and give them this as a gift. Exactly. And so I, I I encourage people to change that mindset, mm -hmm. pivot that mindset and say, you know what? Yes, it's going to cost you some dollars. Big deal. Guess what it's going to save you? Mm -hmm. It's going to save you a lot of time, a lot of frustration and a lot of worry that you don't have it right yes. because it's not your real house. Exactly. I attest to that. I wear all the hats. And there are many times, fortunately, I have a son-in-law when I get stuck into something, he'll come to my rescue, right? Which is fantastic that I have him for that because I produce and I publish and I um, edit. I do everything here on this site, absolutely everything. Am I great at everything? Absolutely not. Am I great at some of the other things? Absolutely not. Um, but I've been a solopreneur for so long and had to wear all of these hats. Sometimes I can delegate, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can afford to, sometimes I can't. I can contest time, energy and frustration that I go through on doing things that I'm uncomfortable with, that aren't my strength. And, you know, I, I don't know what you're asking me for. I don't speak that language. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, and there used to be the book for dummies, you know, computer book for dummies. Yes, but it, yes, yes. the language in the book wasn't the same language and the program that you're looking at. So it was no good because everybody's got a different language. And it's so frustrating. So please take it from me. The amount of time of frustration, anxiety and angst 
that I've put myself through in doing this. I don't want it for any of you. If you can delegate somebody doing X, Y, and Z for you, and you've got a resonance with them, and that's what the thing, it's the reason why I do these shows. If you resonate with Carla, then you know, yes, I like her. I like what she's saying. I like her approach. I like the whole reason of her why behind it. I want her to do my books. I want her to be my accountant because I know that I'm in good hands. That's the reason why I do these shows, for you to find the good hands, right? And that's the important thing. You can go to a big, huge conglomerate company and it's going to end up on someone's desk. It's so much nicer, especially as a small business person, to know whom you're dealing with and have this kind of relationship with them where you feel like you're talking to a friend, that they speak this language and they understand what it is that you need. Wow, you've just taken off a whole load of time, a whole load of pressure, a whole load of anxiety off your shoulders. Now what? You've got time, A, for yourself, B, for your family, and also to be more creative in your business. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. <laughs> um, what, I, what I tell a lot of people, like, they say, what do you do? And I'm like, I give you more time, less stress, and more money. Mm. And the more money, of course, they always yeah, want to... Yeah. You know, the <laughs> ears are always like, what, what, more yeah, money? Yeah. My ears are alert. <laughs> <laughs> Say yes, and more money, because that's my job. If I help you grow, then you're going to help me grow. Yes. Um, I can't quite remember what Zig Ziglar said, but it's something like, if you give enough people enough of what they want, they'll give you what you want. Yes. And that's it. And that's it in a nutshell. And, and then we, we go back to saying, okay, let's work to change that mindset yeah. and be okay with it. Even though it's uncomfortable sometimes to delegate or to hire a professional to do something that you're like, oh, I know how to do that. Yeah. But do you want to do that? Yes. Do you enjoy doing that? Are you good at and, that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Are you know you what the hell you're doing. <laughs> You know what? And and I again, we got to go back. Let's be genuine with you. Let's not lie to ourselves. Mm. And that's unfortunately, as an entrepreneur, that's a lot of what we spend time doing. We lie to ourselves and we know better. Yes. You know, but but we we have these internal struggles. We have the, this an emotional side to what we do. We have a psychological side. We have a um a self-esteem side, side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's all it's all wrapped up into this mm. wonderful yet very difficult existence as an entrepreneur and it's now you know it's like even like now that we see technology coming on board and really blowing up on some things i i had my senior accountant send me an article that said ai was going to take over accountants and i'm like oh no not my job not my job (laughs) because it's I offer way more than just you understanding your numbers and you know the thing about AI I do use AI I like AI but like with everything else it's a tool and if you use the tool uh, you can incorporate it into your business to do some things for you that allow you to actually have free time to be able to be of service to people in the way they need to be so AI is an absolutely wonderful tool used wisely. It's the same as when you get behind the wheel of a car. You can drive it sensibly, it can get you from A to B, and it can be very, very pleasurable. Misuse it, 
all right? And the car's suddenly taken over and you don't know what you're doing. So the whole thing is this responsibility. So don't be afraid of technology that comes into your business, any form of business. How can you incorporate in your business that you stay current, that it can be of assistance to you right? and stop being fear-mongered into it's going to take over, right? <laughs> you know? Because nothing's going yes. to replace the personalization of service, right? Mm -hmm. Now, AI mm -hmm. is a gathering of information, and it's very, very good at kind of asking you the question or in giving you some certain solutions. But we want to be able to talk to a face. We want to have somebody understand where we are at emotionally right now. I'm frustrated, or I'm this, or I'm that. Somebody that can empathize with that. And in that compassion of their service is able to help you navigate through it. AI can be of assistance to her. But it can't replace it because it cannot be that personalization. What do we want from somebody? Right. We are all in service of each other. We're all given a beautiful mm -hmm. gift. That is our gift to be of service in. How can we help mm -hmm. other people? Because when we help other people and they are being abundant because of it, that's we are receiving so much back, yes. right? So much back. Yes. The whole point of being of service to one another by listening, by caring, by supporting, by being the solutions that they need. And it, you want mm -hmm. to have a relationship with your accountant, someone that you can call a friend, not be afraid to call up because you've overspent this month or whatever the case is. Somebody that's going to be there to assist you and support you, but somebody you trust. And if you feel I can call you a friend, therefore I can trust you. Love AI is not going to replace that. It can assist you, but it's not going to replace that. And I'm glad you. I'm glad you. 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 You wove that like you did, because um, I think one thing that the businesses that are in the growth era, meaning they're between five and ten years, they're growing their business. They feel like, okay, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this. And then you have something like, oh, AI's popped up, or oh, this happened, or that happened. How is that affecting my business? This is so, a you always have to look at yes. these challenges mm -hmm. as opportunities. Yes. And that's what will make you survive. There's, they, I mean, we look at what just finished wiping off the half of the earth, it seems like, which was the whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. And look at how many businesses failed. Mm -hmm. And some failed very quickly. And people failed in their personal lives, but businesses failed. Mm -hmm. Big box, what they call big mm -hmm. box stores. Like yes. uh, Circuit City mm -hmm. went down the tubes. Bed Bath & Beyond yes. went down the tubes. Okay. Everything started changing. And this is the, the good thing about being properly aligned with any of the professionals, whether it's your accountant, your IT person, whoever, your supplier, your distributing chain, whoever is part of your circle mm -hmm. to provide those goods and services to your end user for them to all be in the game so that you can look to navigate mm -hmm. and morph and adapt to the changing times. Exactly. Because if you can't, you're going to be history. Yes. Just like so many big stores we never thought would be out of the game right. or out of the game. Yeah. And that's huge. So when you're growing and you're talking about relationships, it's not just any relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the one that you you feel connected to or the one that you feel comfortable with, but it's those very key individuals that will help navigate you to future success. Yeah. Because anyone, 
and I can't remember where I saw this, this, this quote from, but it was like, anyone can start a business, but not anyone can stay in business. Yeah, exactly. And that is key. Yeah. You know, what is, what is your end game? If your end game is 10, 20, 30 years from now, then as you develop, as you grow, as you hit those bumps in the road, always look at them as opportunities for change, for upping your level of skill, for improving your technological base and systems and standard operating procedures or whatever it is that you're doing. Look at it as an opportunity and move, move, move with the mm. times. I say inspiration begets invitation. <clears throat> when we're mm. inspired, we're invited, right? Now, who inspired us that we like to emulate, not copy, but emulate? And, you know, for me, I would say like Louise Hayes uh, with the whole platform of, you know, podcasting and books and everything else and how that message went out. And of course, I'm into podcast books now. So it's taking your strength and what you do, how can you expand on it in a way that's still very connected to the core of what your business is? The, the, the common denominator, how can it expand? How can you expand with it one step at a time? As I've said, you know, I used to be the hare rushing to the finish line because I had the vision, I want to make it done, let's do it today. Yeah. And now I've become the tortoise because I love the gathering of all the information and the people and the arms and arms around the world, the ripple effect of gathering along the way. I may get there slower, but I'm going to get there stronger. And I think that's also mm -hmm. something that's changed in business. It's not about you being Fortune 500 tomorrow. You never may make Fortune 500. Maybe Fortune 500 is not your path to make at all. But it's about what impact are you having on your community with your service? How can it expand securely, deeply rooted, absolutely attached to the core that you can grow over those years? the foundation of it can't be rocked. Yes. And I love that. I love that. And I, I think, you know, when you bring in everything back into the why, mm. um, one, one of the, I, I, there was this speaker I heard uh, probably two or three years ago. And what he did was he took that why, you know, the resonating with your why. And he said he created five sayings for how he was going to live his life as it related to his value system. And I think that's the other integral part of not just wanting to be in business and staying in business, but understanding that no matter what, that you have standards yeah. as an entrepreneur, yes. solopreneur, serialpreneur, whatever it is that you are and that you classify yourself as, you have to set standards. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that I learned was how not to fall into either running my business or letting my business run me. <laughs> that was a, also another big pivotal moment. And I was like, wow, yeah, I'm letting my business run me. Mm. Yeah, you know, mm. and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a workaholic and all <laughs> like this. I had to stop that. I was like, yeah. stop, <laughs> stop. And the reason was, because I started really saying over and over and over again in my mind, what I heard was, are you going to run your business or are you going to let your business run you? Yeah. It made me start taking control 
not of all the stuff out there, yeah, but of me. Yes. And I started setting new boundaries. I cannot tell you, Sarah, how freeing this was. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I, I felt like I was being my own mother. <laughs> <laughs> finally listening. <laughs> yeah, finally listening to my mother, which was my own self, right? But I mean, and I started very small. Um, I used to work six days a week, really from sunup to sundown, like 6 a.m. to 9.30 at night and during tax season, sometimes till midnight. And I, I, I was just like, okay, I know I love what I do, obviously, mm -hmm. but this is getting crazy. Yes. And so I started with just that. I just started saying, let me, out of one of the five things I'm going to do for myself to make me, one, more productive, two, less stressed, three, make more money, but mostly happier Yeah. means I've got to set limits with myself. Mm -hmm. And that also meant eventually I set limits with my clients. Right. And so I started with just saying, hey, new work week. Mm -hmm. During non-tax season, these are my hours to work. During tax season, I'll add maybe an extra hour, maybe two, but that's it. And working on Saturdays, not happening, or it's only going to happen for two or three hours, whatever starting to realize that I needed to create structure for myself. Now, structure, I look as different than discipline. Mm -hmm. The discipline mm -hmm. part said, don't work at home all the time. Get up, get dressed and go to the office. Yes. <laughs> Whether you see a client or not, get up and go do that function. Okay. Not discipline, but structure. Mm -hmm. And that that structure helped create a new world for me around what I was doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And what do we know about the daily thing? The daily thing adds up. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm so glad you addressed that because that's something that, you know, I could work seven days a week on this because there's always something to do, always something I have to up update, uh, something I have to prepare for. And if I'm behind, like, you know, yes, folks, you can hear me stuffed up right now because my beautiful yeah. gorgeous little grandson gave me rsv virus and and we've had a we've had a fill of it over the christmas dominating through so i'm still very stuffed up here and it set me back because i couldn't work i was looking after a baby <clears throat> and so <clears throat> still coughing and spluttering here so you have to look at the priorities what are your priority for me family will always come priority and business will always have to take a back seat to that that is my priority that is my standard there but I had to at some point go office hours office hours I generally do not start a show before 11 a.m unless it's somebody from overseas and I have to accommodate their hours because I do an awful lot of international work. I don't do a show past 3 p.m. And that 3 p.m. is generally the Australian um, time frame because of, again, the time changes. Um, and I don't work at weekends for shows, again, unless it's an emergency because of something happening. Uh, but I will take some time to make sure I'm prepared for the next week. But I take time off. And by 5 o'clock, this computer is closed down. And then I take the evening for myself. Now, I could easily carry on working because, as I said, there is always so much to do, always. <laughs> yeah. But I had to let go of it because what I was finding was an imbalance. Now, you know, Jay Shetty said um, when, he was um, when he was interviewing Trevor Noah, highly recommend that, by the way, on YouTube, Jay Shetty and Trevor Noah, highly recommend it. Trevor Noah is absolutely amazing. But he was saying, you know, when, when Trevor Noah asked him what his purpose was, and he said, this is my purpose, what I'm doing, interviewing people. 
making a difference in other people's lives through sharing other people's wild story and passions. And I agree with him. That's 100% my why of why I'm doing what I'm doing, my my passion and purpose. But we have to find balance with everything else. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it, if we don't have the balance, we start losing the perspective. And we start, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we start losing ourselves in just the purpose of what we're doing, which is me. This is 100% me that you're getting every time. But there's more to me <laughs> outside of that. <laughs> and we forget that as solopreneurs because mm-hmm. there's always something that's demanding of us and it's like we've got to set those priorities like be it family be it time for yourself be it friends right take that time right. where you say no no shows that day because I'm busy doing this and you know just it's okay to say no um, um unobtainable yes. at that time and if it bothers somebody do you really want to do business with them because if they can't be understanding, like with you, we had to change times at least three times. And then it got confusing just because I was looking after babies and we were set for this date and that date and everything had to change, which thank you for being understanding. Had you not been understanding, I might have been reluctant actually to interview you because that means that you're not being somebody that's understanding or, or compassionate to the situation. And that means that you might be that reflection on other people as well so you know i think it's when you challenge people sometimes in in a circumstance in any business that you're in and if you get somebody with a knee-jerk response and it's like hmm do i really want you to be my client and it's okay to say sorry no not for me it's okay to say that yes it is it is and then you also too like now and and this is like i will always counsel startups Mm -hmm. but i don't typically engage them for actual work because they're not financially prepared for someone like me. Yeah. But one of the things that I hear often is, you know, it just may be just general consultation or I just, I need to know how to work through this. And, you know, they're all emotional and they're teary. And I'm like, what? I mean, like I, I counseled this woman, we did a three month contract on QuickBooks because I do QuickBooks training. And she had a couple extra hours um, that she could use anytime for the coming year. And she called me and she says, hi, Carla, I don't want to talk about QuickBooks. QuickBooks is fine. I've got another issue and I just didn't know who to call. So I said, okay, what's going on? And she's crying and she's upset. She said, I have a client that's very upset with me. And the, the woman is in was a baker. And so she did a cupcake or cake order or something. The woman wasn't happy raised a tizzy fit, started giving that bad mouth Mm. out on social media, all that stuff. And she's the nicest woman. And I told her, I said, look, this is what you need to understand. And she's like three years into her business. I said, it's okay. Not every client is going to be happy. I said, you know, the old adage, you can't make everyone happy all the time. Yes. I said, say it three times, (laughs) feel it, embrace that. And no, for every client you lose, you're going to get two more. Exactly. And that's People how I feel like the how you manage works. that. People they are going do. to watch that. They They're going to watch, are you knee-jerk? Are you coming back at that person with aggression, the same aggression? But if you're handed, I'm terribly sorry that you weren't happy. Happy to give a refund. If people see that exactly. and you're handling it with grace, then they go, oh, I really want to deal with this person. Right? So people are watching how you handle it. 
and they're mm -hmm. looking at the other person who's bitching and complaining. My son has a restaurant and um, for Christmas, they, they made all the Christmas meals that you just put in the oven. And there was one order that got mistaken and uh, they only found out through social media instead of them contacting them directly. So, you know, my son was like full refund plus a gift certificate. I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Mistakes Good. do yeah. happen, right? Yeah. If that person was going to continue on bitching and bad-mouthing, that's on them. And the exactly. people watching that have had a good experience with you are going to know this is just a miserable person that just wants to bitch, right? And there are those people exactly. out there. But if you know in your heart mm -hmm. that you have been graceful in your offering, and then you have to let it go. And I know it's hard. You know, I know it's it hard. Is, it is hard, especially when it happens for the first time. Yes. And it was very tra traumatic for her. And so I told her all the right things to do. Mm -hmm. that, send a gift card, send a, a letter or a note of apology, you know, tell her you'll give her a free order, do whatever, you know, and then start setting that up as part of your policies and procedures. Yeah. Make that part of your business ethics, your best business practices, so that if this happens again, you already have a plan on how you're going to handle it. Yeah. And then remember, don't beat up on yourself. Yes. Because nobody, I have yet to meet, and maybe I just miss meeting this person, <laughs> someone who does everything 100% right 100% of the time. <laughs> uh, planet Mars, <laughs> you know, maybe. Uh, you know, I've met no earthlings really, like that. <laughs> I want to meet this. I want to meet that person. You know, um, I had a I had an incident a few months back and the woman went bonkers crazy mm -hmm. out there on the social media thing. So I literally reached out to what I call my core clients. I sent them a message telling them it was out there. And immediately in 24 hours, one of well, a couple of them, but one lady in particular, she I didn't even realize she had been my client for 13 years. And she gives this wonderful Google review. Mm of how wonderful I am and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, and I really, really appreciated it. And sometimes you've got to look at that, just that, you know, that there is, you can't make everyone happy nope. all the time. Nope. So you, the first thing you need to do is get over that mm -hmm. and understand that whatever someone's coming at you with all that negativity or bad mouthing, it is not personal. No, it can't be personal because only the people in your family, your husband, your your child, or something like that, your bestie, maybe something there is personal. Yeah. Other than that, keep your head on straight and realize it's just business. Now that this incident has happened, it's time to forget it. Mm. And forgive yourself. Yeah. Because it's it's a I, again, we know we I just talked about opportunities. When you make a mistake, it's an opportunity. Okay. And it's not about the bad mouthing. It's like, okay, I made that mistake. How can I not make that mistake again? Easy. So I always talk about like, I do these boss up classes and things like that. And I talk about what I call romancing the stone. Mm. Rom romancing the stone is not just romancing your client, yeah. but romancing yourself. Mm. That means keep polishing that stone yeah. so you can be better and better and better and better. The, the, but understand, the, the, you'll never be perfect. No. And, and the thing is, you know, failure for me, as I've said over and over again, is not mistakes. 
you know, a failure is when you give up and give in altogether. You know, when a mistake is, is made, knowingly or unknowingly, right? The best thing to do is own it. Own it. Yes, I, yes, absolutely. And, and apologize for it. And I'm very much lived by the four agreements of Don Donaru, right? You know, speak your word with integrity. Don't take things personally because that's somebody else's issue being imposed upon you, right? Don't assume. Ask. You have no idea what, what's going on until you ask, right? And do your very best based on how you feel is your best. Has it measured up to what you know is your best? Not somebody else's interpretation of what it is. And those four agreements, those are easy codes to live by. And go, did I take it personally today? Well, you know, for a moment I did. And then I let it go because I realized that person obviously is having a hard day and just needed to dump on someone, right? And all I can do is just wish them well and hand it back. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I like that whole owning it because I think this is sometimes where we've been conditioned in the wrong way. Yes. To want to be pointing the finger, it's, uh, it's you know, three pointing it's back like, at you. No. <laughs> you know, it's, it's your, your, your thing. And you find out, though, it's like, okay, I made a mistake. And if you say it out loud, I believe words are very powerful when you say them out loud and you say them repeatedly. Yes. Because these things become made manifest. Right. So if you say out loud, I may be spiritually perfect. Yes but I am not humanly perfect. Right. And start with some simple affirmations like that. I think you start opening up that accountability mm -hmm. and that, that self-love and that self-worth to say, I'm not a bad person. No. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying my human nature yeah. creates a situation in my life where I am not perfect in my eyes or other people's eyes exactly. and be okay with it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Being okay with it is fine. We've also got to realize, which is, you know, a journey certainly I realize is that when I was being mistreated, I was allowing it to happen. Right. And yes. when you don't allow it to happen, that your own, you mentioned earlier, self-esteem, your own self-value, your own <clears throat> inner worth is abundant then that is what you're going to attract are the people that see that wealth in you. Excuse me. Not the financial mm -hmm. wealth, the wealth of who you are as a being. Right? Mm -hmm. And that then you're going to attract those kind of people. But if you're constantly feeling less than yourself or beating yourself up, you're going to take catch people that are going to be like that. That's very that's very, very true. Um and I think this is something that I hear a lot, unfortunately, from more from new clients, not my old clients. Um, uh, like I, I took on one of, um, uh, one of my teachers who's a volunteer for financial literacy first and did her taxes this year. And she sits there, wonderful woman. And she sits there and says, please don't judge me. I know my stuff is all a mess and blah, 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 blah. And I just, I just chuckled. And I was like, I don't judge you. <laughs> I said, I don't judge people's numbers. I don't judge whether you're organized or not organized. If you're coming to me, first of all, I feel honored. But more importantly, I'm going, my goal is to make you, help you be better at doing them, some of the simple stuff that we all have to do. You know, whether it's to be organized with our finances or 
to know to do this versus that with the money thing or where things go or whatever, that that's fine. And then I told her, I said, besides, I said, as my as my partner always tells me, I seem to specialize in problem children. And I love problem children because <laughs> it allows me to have a greater sense of, of value and impacting your life to bring you up a little bit so that you feel better, not just about what you're doing. I don't care if it's tax numbers or bookkeeping numbers or whatever, but for you to feel better because I don't think there should ever, ever be any shame around people's finances, around numbers, or whether you've got a hundred dollars in the bank or a million dollars in the bank. You know, one of the nicest things someone ever said to me was, someone will always have more than you mm -hmm. and someone will always have less than you. Exactly. You know, and because there's nothing, there's nothing more disturbing as to meet somebody who's, um, what's the word? Let's say arrogant. <laughs> because they think they are so smart mm -hmm. or so rich or God forbid, so smart and so rich that nobody can tell them anything and that they don't need any improvement. You know, there will Processes. always be someone who has more than you <laughs> yeah. and always to have someone out there who'll have less than you. And I always, always remember that because it is so important to understand that if, if you, it, it doesn't matter what you have, it can be taken away tomorrow, mm -hmm. but knowledge is power. Yeah. And that is the beauty of being in a constant learning experience with not just what you do as an entrepreneur, but who you have as a relationship on the professional or even personal level. Mm -hmm. I <clears throat> absolutely, completely agree with all of that. And, you know, and that kind of is a great segue into your foundation and what your foundation is about. And one of the reasons why I invited you to be a part of our Forgotten Children book series is because we do not teach our children about money and children grow up feeling they have a dollar sign on them, less, more, you know, opulent. Um, but we put the value of money on people, which we never should, Yes. right? Money, again, is a tool, it's a commodity. It allows you to do X, Y, and Z. Um, puts the roof over your head, etc. We are not a dollar sign. And unfortunately, society has very much gone that way, where we put dollar signs on people. Your worth is only this because this is what you earn, or this is what you have in the bank or don't have in the bank account. And I think a wonderful organization of showing kids how to look at money and gather their worth from it. So can you tell us a little more about that, please? Well, sure. Um I started financial literacy first, actually on the coattails of one of my clients. And he started um, an upliftment program for the at-risk uh, high school boys here in Aurora, Colorado. And he asked me and some of his other community leaders to be a part of this initial launch at this high school. And it got me thinking afterwards I should do this more often, <laughs> you know, I should, I should do this because it's so important. Mm -hmm. And when we start looking at our trickle down, mm -hmm. as most Americans, we don't learn money in the household. Mm -hmm. We don't learn it in the schools. We don't learn it in the churches. So where do we learn it? We learn it by hook or crook. And these days by the internet, mm -hmm. 
And I, I have had people send some things to me and I'm like, okay, what that guy said on that TikTok video <laughs> <laughs> was only, was only a small chunk of the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So you cannot take everything too that you see Literally. on YouTube or TikTok yeah. or whatever. Yeah. As, as God's truth or whatever. You do need to always come from a credible source. So I started financial literacy in the hopes of getting people that were the in that teenage year of like starting at around 15 or 16 till about 25, where that's our formative years to really, really start learning about money. But that's also the time we make most mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. When you had your first job, when you had your second job, what you do with that paycheck? You know, blow why it. Why you buy that car <laughs> at that high interest rate and yeah. yeah, all that stuff that you didn't even know about. And I, I mean, I, everybody always thinks, oh, her story is going to be how she grew up poor and, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I actually grew up with a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> my my father was a surgeon. My mother was a professional. So money wasn't the issue, mm -hmm. but transferring that knowledge to me was. Yes. You know, I got 18. He called me. So in my family, we leave early. You have to leave between roughly 16 or 17 years old. Definitely be gone by 18. You're out of the house. You're done. So I left at 17. My father calls me one day. And I was I had I was 18 at the time. And he says, I need you to stop by the house and come come get your back in the day passport savings book. <laughs> it was these little books that you took to the bank. Every time you made a deposit, they'd stamp it. Yeah. Yeah. How much it was called passport savings book. Yeah. Exactly. This and is before we did everything online. Yep. <laughs> Live. What what's online mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> washing line. <laughs> Is that how we launder money? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, get your statement from the broker. And I was like, I don't even know what a broker is, right? And so I show up at the house. I, I just remember it so well. And he hands me my, my little booklet that shows the money I have in the bank. And he gives me the statement from, um, I don't know what, it, I don't know what brokerage house it was. And he said, when you need money short term, put it in the bank. When you need it long term and you want to save for something, call the broker, add to these, add to this account. And I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> say what? Say what? <laughs> and so, I mean, and so that's kind of like what I, how I operated for a while. And I guess I was just, I guess I thought things out enough that even in college and all the credit card companies and stuff like that, I wound up having credit, but I always had a one credit. It was just me. I think I had probably seven credit cards, which was way too much, which right. I didn't know until I became a financial planner that that was too many credit cards, <laughs> you know, but once I became a financial planner, I started being taught literally about money at that point, which was great. Okay. So it wasn't about, about, growing up and not having, we had plenty. My parents went from rags to riches. Okay. But the thing was, they didn't pass down the knowledge mm. and the knowledge is so important. Yes. So what we do with financial literacy first, you know, our goal is to teach the 16 to 25 year olds in schools, churches, groups, what have you about the basic foundation of money. Um, we also do teach the adults 
and we do power hours or what's called lunch and learns on that. We have very specific topics, assuming they have the basics. But believe it or not, our most popular class is our basics class, mm -hmm. which is called Basics 101, which is budgeting, savings, and understanding credit. And it's amazing, like we teach here at Colorado Free University, and that population is 35 to 65. And I can't tell you how often, you know, we only teach it once a month, but I can't tell you how often that class has participants. And I'm like, but you should know this, you know, in my mind, but you should know this by now. But no, <laughs> not necessarily. Nope. nope, not taught. <laughs> Certainly not taught. I mean, money was almost a dirty word growing up. You know, you didn't you For didn't show your is. money around. You didn't show how rich you were or how, how, how poor you were. There was this sense of pride where you, you know, you didn't show your hand. So money was this kind of thing that you just didn't discuss. If you had too much of it, you didn't discuss it because it was gauche. If you didn't have enough of it, you didn't let people know how poor you were because of pride. Right. So, yeah, exactly. money was not what we were taught growing up. Exactly. And so what financial literacy is, we're, we're a membership-based nonprofit public charity. And we're membership-based and event-based because we have started to change and realize in order to give more to our community, we need to be out there more. Mm -hmm. So like when you join as a member, you wind up um, being able to come to events and guess what we do? It's each event, <laughs> we give some financial tips. So we have, uh, you know, bank personnel or people from the credit union or real estate agents give a 15 or 20 minute talk about a specific topic each and every month. So we're always wanting to make help people make a change for the better. But a lot of it starts with being okay mm -hmm. to say, I don't know, mm -hmm. or I don't have, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have that being a budget. I don't have that being systematic savings. Yeah. I don't have that meaning I'm not on credit karma or credit sesame or whatever. What is that? You know, so we want to teach not just through conversation, but also giving the tools and then saying, okay, it's up to you to take this tool and make it work for you. Yeah. And always be okay that you need to understand it's an ongoing process, exactly. just like human development. Yes. And that, you know, that goes on and on and on until the day you actually exit from this world. And it's all about growth and wonderment and learning because we should never stop learning at all. Um, as I said, we're delighted to have you on our Forgotten Children book series where you've contributed a chapter on this on why it's so important to teach our children about money. Uh, we see so many kids being brought up that you've got to wear the gold necklaces or drive the fast car. You've got to have money to be important and they're getting the wrong message or that, you know, you see poverty means that you're going to be a victim. People are going to take advantage of you because they're not taught about money. And if I think if they could understand right from the word go, what role money pays in their, plays in their life, uh, how they see it, how they approach it, how they use it, it will empower them to actually focus in on who they are, why they are, what their why is in life, and not have money being the dictator of it. Um, so I think yes. a very valuable chapter to have in the book, and we're really delighted to have you there. And there Thank will you. be a show actually on on her chapter, and also there's going to be a whole 
um, show coming out with all of our authors coming up very soon and the book is coming out very, very soon. And the proceeds gets divided up amongst the authors and the organizations they support so evenly and uh, so that it goes across into keeping that money generating going, supporting the great work that is happening out there. And we really need to look at the way we raise our children today, because quite honestly, we have dysfunctional adults, a lot to do with the way we've brought them up in society, in education, in family, in social media. And we've really got to take a hard look at this and change our ways. And that's what the book is all about in supporting our forgotten children, because we're forgetting what they really need in life. So this has been wonderful having you here. Can you please tell everybody how they get hold of your book, how they get hold of you as well, please, love. Oh, sure. So I'm at speakingtoelevate.com, just like it sounds, speaking to elevate.com. And on my site, uh, it has links to whether you want a free consultation or find out more about financial literacy first or engage me as a speaker for your group or your organization. And you can also, too, just send a contact form and say um, you would like my book. But my book can be found on Amazon and Kindle. And my latest book, I've written a couple, but my latest book is simply called The Money Source. And it talks about the gratitude of where money comes from and working to establish a healthy versus unhealthy relationship with money and making it work for you. So it's not about investing. It's not about, you know, how to hoard all your money or anything like that. It's simply about that financial well-being. And this is what we all want for ourselves. When you look at maintaining your health, it's for your healthy well-being. Well, my perspective about money is for financial well-being. And that means how we emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually have a connection with money and how we can make that a very healthy relationship. So if you just go to speakingtoelevate.com, you definitely can reach me for any of your needs or questions. Would love to engage with you. And of course, you're on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on LinkedIn, you're Carla Vaughn, which is C-A-R-L-A-V-A-U-G-H-N. And of course, there is this bosses elevate me dot me as well. And yes. of course, uh, we also have the uh, organization's um, site financial literary first dot org. And you can find all that information out there and support there as well, because um We've really got to a stage in our life where money has become something that is ruling the world. Uh, it does. We can't work without money. Money is the, is the currency that greases, you know, the machinery. <clears throat> but we've also come to the thing where you're not important unless you have this or you have that in the money world. And we need to understand that our wealth of who we are does not come from our bank account or how much money we earn. It's about who we are as people, how we are contributing, what is our service in life and um, you know how abundant and enriched are we within our soul and how do we share that out. The money is something that fortifies that, supports that, generates more of that, but it is not something of what you are, right? So that is very, very true. And, and that's what the book talks about a lot. Money is, does not define you. You define you. And you have to determine and say to yourself and know in your heart of hearts that money is not the definition 
of the beautiful person that we are as individuals on this planet. Right. Exactly. Not at all. It's here to work for you. Right. It's yes. here to support yes. you and all that you are here to do. That's what money is for. Let's put it in the right perspective. Um, I really have got to introduce you to Angelique Williams. Uh, her whole business is, is about helping people build the right credit. And I think the two of you together, because having the books, as you said, you need the people that are at the beginning, got to build up a certain level before the books come. But I think the two right. of you working together would be fantastic. So it'll probably be a great I guest speaker as well. I would love to be introduced to her. Thank <laughs> so, you. And it is about that, isn't it? As you said, you have your guest speakers that come along that talk about money from different perspectives, from different avenues, and, and round the picture out. And there isn't no one black and white thing of it. it. There is many layers to it. And the more you understand those layers, the more you are empowered to be who you are and not letting money dictate who they think you should be. Mm -hmm. So that's the importance of it. Very true. Very true. So I invite you please to go to um, theorchardofwisdom.org slash uh, our forgotten children book and you will see all the authors that are in there the book as I said is coming out late February there's going to be a whole wonderful um, authors guest speaking where they're all going to be speaking about it and there's also going to be a wonderful program coming up in late March of Ask the Author where we will actually have you you know you've read the chapter and you come in and you actually speak to the author themselves and ask them questions so there's a lot more to come on our authors there and uh, to pick their beautiful wisdom and to enable you to move forward so thank you so much for sharing here today Carl it's very very important that people have the right relationship with money and you know people always say to me why do I do a lot of money shows in the beginning of the year because I think if you can get your money program in your head sorted out it's going to give you a very very prosperous year but get your money order sorted out first right so that you know how to build on your mm -hmm. year and not let the money get in the way let it be there to support you exactly exactly I I I, I actually just read and I, I know we're going to wrap this up but I just read, a, I was making a program for our fundraising event in February here in um, Aurora, Colorado. And on the back of the program, I decided to list all these famous quotes from all these rich people. And one of the quotes, and I'm going to paraphrase, was from Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. And she said, I have been financially successful all this time because the one thing I never did was worry about the money. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was like, Love it. Yes. Love it. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, my, my kids keep saying, why aren't you worrying about the money, mom? And it's like, oh, it will come when it's meant yeah. to come. You know, <laughs> I, well, I always feel to... money will be there. You'll, you'll still <clears throat> want it and need it. Yeah. It'll always be there. Yeah. It'll be okay. <laughs> yep. But the more we know about it and the more we know how to use it constructively, you said the strategy. Right. The strategy of how to use money, how to make it work for us is very, very important. And uh, it's peace of mind. It allows you to know when to grow. Basically, what it is, it allows you to focus on what you are and what you are doing without yes. worrying about the money. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's what we really want. Absolutely. We want your abundance and your gift to the world. We want your service out there. We don't want you stressing about the money. We also don't want you approaching as money first. Right. Right. Now, that's a lot of the times where people go wrong in business. They come up with the money first. No, we want to know who, why, what you are. 
before we mm -hmm. can look at how much we're going to spend on you. So do not approach people with the dollar first. It's the wrong approach. And they can sense it too. Oh boy, can they? It can sense urgency or they can sense you're only about the money and then I'm shut off and I don't want to hear anymore. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, people will pay what you're worth when they feel when they feel your worth. So don't worry about it. The money yes. will come. Definitely. The money will come. So please, um, her own show is going to be uh, on the children, Forgotten Children chapter is going to be coming up very soon. As I said, just um, right there on her show page, you will find all the links for it. And, uh, you know, do support the Forgotten Children book as well as her money source book, uh, because it's all about serving each other. Let's invest in our children. Let's invest in each other. Let's make 2020 for the year that we turn everything around. Right? Yes. Best Until year ever. Ever, ever. I'm very positive about ever. this. Ever. I'm very positive about it. I think it's going to be a really abundant year, a very enriching year for so many people. And, you know, choice is ours. We can feed the negative. We can feed the dandelions. We can plant new seeds with a new attitude, a new approach, nurture and 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 water those seeds into productivity, but it's all a question of our mindset. So 2024 is going to be what you feed it, folks. So feed it right. Thanks so much, Carla. Yep. Until Thank next you time, so girls. much. Well, my pleasure. My Until pleasure. next time. Bye-bye. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.